Sirah, a biography of Muhammad, the last messenger of Allah, written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich. Chapter 22 Mothers of the Faithful Ummahatul Mu'minin Ibn Hisham, one of the earliest biographers of the Prophet, peace be upon him, writes that the Prophet married 13 women in total. He did not have sexual intercourse with two of the wives, so they do not enjoy the status as mothers of the faithful, Ummahatul Mu'minin. Two wives died during his lifetime, Khadija bin Huvaylid and Zainab bin Huzayma, known as Mother of the Poor, Ummul Masakin. He left behind nine widows, and eleven of his wives had a status as mothers of the faithful. We shall give short biographies of the wives of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. The first, Khadija bint Huvaylid, was the first wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him. She had been married twice before she married Allah's Prophet, who was not older than twenty-five at the time while she was forty. This is a proof that the Prophet's motive to marry Khadija was not physical pleasure only, but also something else, her honor and her renowned sharp mind. She gave birth to all children of the Prophet, peace be upon him, except Abraham. The Prophet, peace be upon him, spent the most beautiful days of his life with Khadija, enjoying in mutual love, harmony, and understanding. Owing to her outstanding qualities as a wife and mother and her loving care for Muhammad, peace be upon him, Khadija, radiallahu anha, enjoyed his special love and respect. The Prophet showed love for her during his whole life, even after her death. We have already portrayed Khadija and her virtues earlier in this book. The second, Sauda bint Zema, was the second wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him, who married her in the month of Shawwal, in the tenth of year of the prophethood. Before marrying the Prophet, she was married to Sakran ibn Amr, with whom she migrated to Abyssinia. She returned to Mecca after he had died there. Although some historians claim that he returned to Mecca and died there before the Muslims' migration from Mecca to Medina. As a widow, she was left without a protector and provider. This means that she would either have to return to her family, where she was likely to be mistreated and exposed to tribulations because of her faith, or be a burden to the society as a widow. There was also a third option to marry someone not from her social class, which would have been inappropriate as well. The Prophet, peace be upon him, married her and thus protected her faith and honor. The third, Aisha, daughter of Abu Bakr, was the only wife whom the Prophet, peace be upon him, married a virgin. All his other wives had been married before, and their husbands had either died or got killed. The Prophet did not even think of marrying Aisha, as she was very young. However, Hawla bin Hakim, the wife of Uthman ibn Mazarun, came once after Hadija's death and asked, O oh, the Prophet of Allah, would you like to get married? The Prophet asked, To whom? She answered, 
Do you want a girl who hasn't been married yet, or a woman who was married before? He asked. Who is the girl? She replied, Aisha, the daughter of Allah's creature, dearest to you. She was referring to Abu Bakr. He put another question. And who is the woman who was married before? Sauda bint Zema. She responded. The Prophet, peace be upon him, then told her to go and ask for their hands in marriage on his behalf. After that, Aisha started appearing in the Prophet's dreams. Aisha says that the Prophet, peace be upon him, told her, I saw you in my dreams three times. After that, an angel brought you to me secretly. You were clad in silk and told me, This is your wife. When I unveiled your face, I recognized you, and I said, If Allah wills it, so be it. This tradition tells clearly that the Prophet, peace be upon him, married Aisha after a revelation that he was ordered to do so. For that reason, is her marriage specific? The Prophet married her when she was a girl, with the approval of her father, Abu Bakr. This happened in the month of Shawwal, in the eleventh year of the prophethood. That is one year after marrying Sauda, or two years and five months before the Hijra. At that time, Aisha was not yet a major under the terms of Sharia, so she stayed in her father's house. When she became of age, she moved to the prophet's house. That happened in the month of Shawwal, seven months after the Hijra in Medina. When the Prophet's mosque was built, many scholars state that Aisha radiallahu anha was the most learned woman in the fields of fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence, and the Sharia regulations, and generally the most educated Muslim woman. Throughout history, people who misunderstood Islam used the Prophet's marriage to Aisha, who was very young, when she got married, in order to heavily criticize and smear Islam and the Prophet peace be upon him. Such attacks have not ceased to the present day, and nowadays we witness the publishing of blasphemous cartoons in some Western media. In that respect, we find it important to point out the following facts. The first, marriages of young persons in that era should be viewed in the context of then historical and cultural backdrop. Marrying young girls was a common thing, so nobody really took any notice of the Prophet's marriage to Aisha, not even his enemies. It is well known that the Prophet's enemies from the ranks of Arab idol worshippers voiced all kinds of criticism of him. They actually used every possible opportunity to attack and reproach him, the biographies are abandoned with numerous objections voiced to the Prophet by his Arab and other enemies. However, there is no record of anyone criticizing him at that time for marrying virgin Aisha. That was an absolutely normal phenomenon in that era. This is a very important fact that should be borne in mind when discussing the Prophet's marriage to Aisha. So, it is necessary to take into account the cultural and historical context when considering this event in the life of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, which can be incorrectly and unfortunately 
often malevolently interpreted from the contemporary point of view. The second, it should be pointed out that, although at the time of her marriage Aisha was very young, she was a major in terms of the Sharia law. The reason why she did not immediately move to the Prophet's house is the fact that the Sharia regulations prohibit sexual intercourse with a woman who is not yet of age, that is, has not reached puberty. Under Islamic regulations, a man reaches puberty with the first nocturnal emission and a woman with the first menstruation. So, Aisha was a major under the Sharia law when she started her marital life with the Prophet, peace be upon him. The third, the objective of the Prophet's marrying Aisha as a very young girl, that she should spend her adolescence next to him and be brought up and trained under his personal guidance and thus grow into a highly qualified teacher and educator as such. She taught many generations for almost half a century. According to the relevant historical literature, the Prophet, peace be upon him, passed away in the 11th A.H., Enohijrai, and Aisha passed away in the 57th A.H., Enohijrai. So she outlived the Prophet for nearly half a century, and all that time, she was involved in the education of the coming generations who spread the mission of Islam. Famous biographer and historian Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani says in his capital work, in the chapter Tahrib al-Tahzib, in the chapter on biography of Aisha radiallahu anha, that she was the most knowledgeable woman in fiqh. Sharia, regulations, and generally the tenets of the faith this fact is also very important in order to understand properly why the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, married Aisha when she was so young. The Fourth Woman Hafsa, daughter of Umar ibn al-Khattab, was married to Hunais ibn Huzayfa al shahmi before marrying the Prophet, peace be upon him. After Hunayn's death, Umar offered her hand in marriage to Uthman ibn Affan. Uthman refused politely, so Umar made the offer to Abu Bakr. Since Abu Bakr did not give him any answer whatsoever, Umar went to complain with Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, who married her to spare her father. The worries over her marital status and to dissuade him from believing that no one wanted his daughter. The Prophet married her in the third A.H. Enohidrai, the fifth woman, Zainab bint Huzayma, known by her nickname Mother of the Poor, Ummul Mesakin, because of her great care for the poor and orphans. The Prophet, peace be upon him, married her out of respect for her and her work for the common good. Before marrying the Prophet, she was married to Abdullah ibn Jahsh, who fell as a martyr in the Battle of Uhud. The Prophet married her in 4 A.H. in Ahidrai, but she did not live long together 
with him as she dies soon afterward, two or three months after the wedding. The sixth, Ummu Salama al-Mahzumiyyah, was married to Abu Salama ibn Abdul Asad before marrying the Prophet, peace be upon him. She was an adult woman with small children. Her husband succumbed to the injuries he had sustained in the Battle of Uhud. Ummu Salama sincerely mourned her husband. Several men proposed to her, including Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu. She turned down her suitors, probably because of concern for her children and her mourning. The Prophet, peace be upon him, took pity on her and married her, promising he would take care of her children. This happened in the month of Shawwal, in the fourth A.H., and Noah he dry. The seventh, Zainab bint Jahsh, was the Prophet's cousin on his father's side. The Prophet, peace be upon him, gave her hand in marriage to his adopted son, Zayd ibn Haritha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afterward abolished the custom of adopting sons and everything ensuing from it. The marriage of Zayd and Zainab was not a happy one, and it ended in divorce. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet, peace be upon him, to marry Zainab, the former wife of his adopted son, and thus verify the abolition of the adoption custom in practice. The Qur'an reads, When Zayd no longer wanted her, we gave her to you in marriage, so that there might be no fault in believers marrying the wives of their adopted sons, after they no longer wanted them. God's command must be carried out. The 33rd chapter, verse 37. The Prophet married Zainab in the month of Zulqadah, in the 5th A.H., and Noah Hijrai. The 8th, Juwairiya bint Harith, was a daughter of a tribal chief. She was assigned to the Prophet, peace be upon him, as a captive taken in the campaign against the tribe of Benu Mustalik in the month of Shaban, the sixth A.H. and Ohidrai. Since the Prophet was very considerate toward the ones who fell into disgrace after living a life of honor, he married her soon afterward to save her from ending as someone's servant. This also had another effect. The Muslims released the captured members of the Banu Mustalik tribe, calling them the in-laws of Allah's Messenger. After that, the whole tribe converted to Islam. Thus the Prophet's marriage to Juwairiya turned out to be very fruitful. The ninth, Ummu Habiba, Remla bint Abu Sufyan, daughter of Abu Sufyan. She was married to Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh brother of Zainab bint Jahsh. Together with her husband, she converted to Islam at an early stage and split with her family, whereupon the couple migrated to Abyssinia. However, after a short stay in Abyssinia, her husband converted to Christianity and died soon afterward. Remla lived her immigrant days in solitude. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, learned of it, 
he sent a letter to the Negus of Abyssinia, authorizing him, after the Negus had accepted Islam, to solemnize a marriage between the Prophet and Ramla, and the Negus did so. On that occasion, the Negus gave Ramla a dowry of four hundred dinars in gold. No other wife of the prophets received such a valuable dowry. The prophet married her to save her from solitude and to forge ties with her father, Abu Sufyan, the leader of Mecca. The tenth, Safiya bin Huyay ibn Ahtab, daughter of the chief of the Banu Nadir tribe, was a captive taken in the campaign on Hyber. When she found herself at Dihya el-Kelbis, he told the prophet, peace be upon him, she is a princess and the belle of her tribe. She shouldn't be anyone's but yours. Since the prophet was very considerate to the people who had a high school status but lost it, he made her a free woman and then took her for his wife. This happened in the 7th A.H. and Noah after the capture of Hyber. The 11th. Maimuna bint al-Harith was the last woman whom Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, married. That happened at the end of the year, the 7th A.H., during the so-called Compensatory Umrah, Umratul Qada, the lesser pilgrimage to Mecca that the Prophet made, having been prevented by Quraysh from making it the previous year. The information recorded in the relevant historical literature confirms beyond doubt that the Prophet's multiple marriages had a much more profound rational than, than a mere satisfaction of the needs of the flesh. Actually, the allegation that the Prophet, peace be upon him, married so many women in order to satisfy his sexual needs makes no sense given the fact that he spent his youth with one woman, Khatija, who was fifteen years his senior on top of it. This loathsome allegation was contested by unbased non-Muslim intellectuals too. In that respect, any Byzant author of the famous work, The Life and Teachings of Muhammad, wrote, It is impossible for anyone who studies the life and character of the great prophet of Arabia, who knows how he taught and how he lived, to feel anything but reverence for that mighty prophet, one of the great messengers of the Supreme. And although, in what I now put you, I shall say things which may be familiar to many, yet I myself feel, whenever I reread them, a new way of admiration, a new sense of reverence to that mighty Arabian teacher. But do you mean to tell me that the man who in the full flush of youthful vigor, a young man of four and twenty, married a woman much his senior, and remained faithful to her for six and twenty years. At fifty years of age, when the passions are dying married for lust and sexual passion, not thus are men's lives to be judged. And you look at the women whom he married, you will find that be every one of them 
an alliance was made for his people, or something was gained for his followers, or the woman was in sore need of protection.